kids, they said. It will be fun, they said. Who the heck are they, anyway? As moms, we sacrifice a lot for our families, our time, our health, our wallets, our identity, friendships, personal care, and of course, our beloved sleep. Motherhood is a crazy ride, one that is not meant to be braved alone. It takes a village, right? Well, your village is here. I'm your host, Sabrina Greer, and every week I will be diving into the gray areas of motherhood with some very special guests. This is not the highlight reel, but the real deal. So reheat that cup of coffee, turn up the volume, and get ready for the reminder that you've got this, mama. Hello, and thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Sabrina Greer, and I am incredibly pumped for today's episode. My girl crush is on. <laughs> Sunit Suchdev. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming on. I think today's episode is really super important, and I couldn't think of a better person to walk us through it. I wanted to talk about thriving in motherhood over surviving. I think so many of us, you know, really just get through the days, that groundhog day effect where we're isolated, we're dealing maybe with a little bit of depression or stress, constant arguing over meals, temper tantrums, you know, sleep or lack of, which I'm currently dealing with. (laughs) I just think our guest today has so many amazing tools to arm moms with you know, the actual tools needed to get through this, the mindset shifts, all the things that we really need that will help us empower our motherhood and get through this by thriving over surviving. So I'd really love you all to welcome my friend and fellow co-author, the original fellow co-author in You've Got This Mama, and in my opinion, a living goddess, <laughs> guru mama, Sunit Suchdev. Oh my gosh. I don't even know how I'm going to live up to that amazing <laughs> introduction. Hello. Hi. No, it's so true. I, you know, it's funny because you were a co-author in the book and I just the whole time reading through your work, there's so much heart and soul in everything you do. I follow you on Instagram and I just, I just love everything about what you do, but we'll talk about that a little more. I'm going to give you a formal introduction. Sunit is a business and mindset coach with a passion for all things health and wellness. After receiving an undergraduate degree in health science, she spent the next 20 years of life dabbling in all sorts of industries. (laughs) We've all been there. (laughs) Um, But she's always maintained a training and coaching component to everything she does. She is a certified life coach and meditation teacher and is finishing up her functional nutrition practitioner certification. That's a mouthful. Mm. Uh, Sunit is a fellow podcaster. She's the host of The High Vibe Life, which is absolutely incredible. You have to go check it out. She's also the founder of 40 and such, which is a movement that inspires women to enter their forties, the healthiest they've ever been. She wears a lot of hats, <laughs> a lot. <laughs> and her, but her favorite hat is the mom hat. She has twin boys who are absolutely adorable and loves being able to shape the future through her own parenting. And that's exactly what you're doing. It's, I can't wait to dive into this because I am just so inspired by all of, all of the things you do in the parenting world. So welcome. Well, and don't, don't worry about living up to it because you absolutely will. You'll have so many helpful things for our mamas today. Well, I hope so. And thank you for having me. Absolutely. So I wanted to talk a little bit about 
just about you, because as I said, you are so inspiring. I'd love to, you know, hear a little bit about what your business is about. I know you've recently had a shift or a facelift, a redo of your entire business. So uh, I'd love to hear a little bit about that, as I'm sure our listeners would. Um, And then I'm going to get into all the fun stuff. (laughs) For sure. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I initially started my business. I have a heart for serving and for helping others. And, you know, I've gone through a lot of things in my life where I have struggled and kind of come through on the other side. And once I started in this world of running an online business and life coaching, I kind of was like, who can I hone in on where I would really be able to best serve? And for me, having been, you know, a mom of twins, I guess, you know, I, I went through a lot with through infertility and then I finally was blessed with twins and I was a quote unquote older first time mom, you know, I was almost 37 when I had my boys. So I kind of had this benefit of seeing all the women around me having babies and seeing what they had already gone through. And so I tried to be better prepared, you know, as prepared as I could be. I I live far away from my family. My husband runs his own business. He works six days a week. I knew I wasn't going to have a ton of help. And I just knew that I really needed to really be prepared for for these twins. So anyways, to make a long story short, you know, I ended up starting, um, you know, I, I started a blog called Modern Twin Mom when they were... I think nine months old. And that just slowly evolved into a place of me wanting to really, well, first of all, I realized that being prepared for motherhood isn't about having your nursery painted and, you know, having all the baby clothes ready. Like I really (laughs) figured out, I think the mindset and what kind of true planning it takes to really thrive in motherhood. And when I had, you know, I don't want to say I was perfect in every aspect, but I do feel that I had success considering I had twins and I was like, okay, something I did here is working and how can I use this to help other women? And that's kind of how that movement was born. And Modern Twin Mom eventually flipped over to Modern Mommy Prep School. And then I started my podcast and I was coaching. And then I started a prenatal online course, like a mindset course for women who were pregnant to really be prepared for for having a baby and the mindset shift that comes with becoming a mom. And then, you know, it's over the last couple of years, it's just evolved. I had Modern Mommy Prep School, the podcast for the first, you know, year and a half. And there was a lot of guests on that were, the show was really intended for women who were new or expecting moms. And then as my target audience started to kind of grow through their own parenthood, it also started to, the whole audience started to shift. And I had women reaching out to me who were already moms or, you know, further along into their journey who were wanting to pick my brain about some of the other things that I was doing, you know, practicing mindfulness and teaching my kids meditation. And, um, you know, how, how do I maintain the mindset that I have at this stage of my life? And so it's just evolved over the last couple of years to the point where I finally did a little bit of a rebrand over the summer. And so now the show has um, gone from modern mommy prep school to the high vibe life because I am passionate about inspiring women to to live in their kind of highest vibration, regardless of the fact that you're a mom. You know, I just feel like everyone has a purpose in this life outside of motherhood. And I just want to inspire women to, to find that and to get to that place. So that's kind of how I've gotten to where I am. But really, at the end of the day, my heart still just lies with really inspiring women, most of them are moms, to, to live their best life. And then also, 
as you mentioned, what I'm trying to do with my own kids, which is really make change in the future through how I'm parenting. And that can only happen when I come from a good place myself. So I'm really passionate about inspiring women to care for themselves so that they can show up for their kids. Mm, I love all of that. It's, it's so, so true. It starts with that, right? The mindset, because you can't, you can't take care of other people if you're not taking care of yourself. And we all think that is completely revolved around self-care, you know, having exercise and nutritional food and all of those things, but it's also minding your mind, taking Mm -hmm. care of what's upstairs. And I just, I think you do such a wonderful job of that. So you, you mentioned something in there that I definitely want to talk about today because I find it so interesting and so inspiring and I can't possibly be alone in this meditation for your kids. How, (laughs) how, just with a big question mark, because, you know, I have three boys, you have two boys that are twins. Mm -hmm. Um, This is obviously something that, you know, you've implemented from a young age and something that they've learned and maybe modeled behavior from, from you. How do you teach them to silence their mind? Because I find my boys are so busy and that's not a bad thing. You know, they're, they're busy and I allow them to be busy and, you know, have fun in their own right. But I just, I can't, I don't know where to begin. (laughs) 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 And I don't want you to give away all of your goods, but you know, if, if there's, if there's a couple of tips you could share with us today on how to get your kids to meditate. So you know what, there's, it's actually, there's no secret. So the secret is that kids more than anyone else are naturally mindful. So if you've ever, you know, you sit, we always say, oh, my boys are so busy. My kids are so busy. And yes, these appear that they're busy. They appear that they're running around and being crazy. But in reality, you know, what's going on in their mind, just what they're doing. The only thing that's going on in their brain when you are watching them from afar and they seem like they're being really busy, the only thing that's happening in their brain is just being focused on the moment. And that's the truth about kids. Kids are naturally very mindful. Whatever they are doing, that's all they're doing. They're not thinking about yesterday. They're not thinking about five minutes ago. They're not thinking about what's happening 10 minutes from now. Not thinking about their pile of you know, to-dos that they have to do tomorrow. Um, they are naturally very mindful. If they're sitting there playing with a truck, they are just playing with that truck. That's all they're thinking about. And so it's actually very simple to get kids to meditate because they already, so, you know, mindfulness and meditation are similar in that really all they are is just a version of each other. So mindfulness is just a step below meditation. And that mindfulness means you're focused on one thing, whereas meditation is you're, you're silenced, right? So you may be, you're focusing on your breath or you're trying to focus on nothing. So with kids, it's very easy to do that because they're already there, especially the younger they are. Um, once they start to get into, you know, eight, nine, 10, 11 years old, of course, it's going to get a little bit harder, but getting them to do that from an early age is not hard because all you have to do is get them to just focus on something that you give them to focus on. So, um, how I started with my kids was, First, you start with pictures and then you start with, um, you, sorry, you move from the pictures to, you know, an inanimate object. So for instance, 
you would say, uh, show them a picture of a snowman and you say, see this snowman? I want you to look at this snowman and then I'm going to take it away and you're going to close your eyes. And for one minute, you're going to think everything you can about that snowman. Try to remember everything. What color was his nose? Was he wearing a hat? Was he cold? Was he hot? Did he have a sweater on? And then as their age progresses, you can just ask them to imagine, hey, I want you to imagine a snowman. I want you to imagine a snowflake. And then as they they get older, you can get them to imagine whatever they want. I want you to pick something to think about. And all you are doing is instead of just allowing them to play and be mindful in whatever it is they're doing, you're guiding their mindfulness. So it's like a guided meditation, but you're just saying to them, I want you to sit and I want you to think and imagine in your head a snowman. What color is that snowman or you know whatever it is that you pick? And then when the minute is up, you ask them to talk about it. Well, what did your snowman look like? You know, how many buttons were on his coat? And the idea is to just guide what they're focusing on. And that is the first step to teaching mm. your kids to meditate. Um, there's some other things you can do as well, like getting them to be mindful with the, um, the raisin exercise. You can actually Google that. It's on YouTube. It's like, you know, you, you give them a raisin and you ask them to look at the raisin and examine how many little crevices and bumps it has. And then you ask them to smell it. And then you ask them to put it in their mouth and chew on it. And what is your mouth doing when it's chewing on the raisin? Oh, there's a lot of spit coming into my mouth. Yeah. So it really is just focusing them in on one thing yourself. So you're in charge of guiding them. Um, you can also do breathing exercises, Mm. you know, where you're getting them to imagine blowing up a balloon or they lay on their tummy and they put their favorite stuffy on their tummy and they breathe deep breathing up and down. They make the stuffy go up and down. All they have to think about is keeping that stuffy on their belly. So I feel like, you know, you hear meditation and you just get paralyzed. Like you're like, Oh my God, it's so hard. Uh, how am I going to, you know, I can't do it. How am I going to get my kids to do it? But it's really, it's way easier for kids than it is for us because kids are naturally mindful. They're natural meditators. So if you can harness that from a young age, as they grow, you can help it evolve in them. And it eventually just becomes something that they naturally go to because they know how good they feel when they sit calmly and they just think about one thing. And it, it it's like any other skill. The more you do it, the more, the better you get at it. And actually, I'm just going to plug something here because I don't know when this episode is going to air, but the timing is perfect. I'm actually um, teaching a free how to get your kids to meditate workshop on November 23rd. So I don't know if this episode is going to air in time Mm. for that. But if it is, I I can, you know, if you want to pop a link to, um, to that into your show notes or something so people can access it. I have a free, um, you know, 30 days to shift your mindset workbook that I released last month. And in it, there's a link to a private group where I'm offering all these free trainings. And one of them is how to teach your kids to meditate. So if people are interested, they can definitely come join that. But really, it's that's how simple it is just to get started. That's amazing. Yeah, we're going to air this episode on November 20th. So that's perfect timing. Yay. Perfect. Yeah. Oh, I think that's so interesting that you said that, that kids are naturally mindful because it's so true when you really think about it, you know, they, they really are present in whatever it is they're doing. They're not thinking about 
like you said, the to-do lists or the bills that are piling up or the things yep. that keep us adults awake at night. So I think that's, that's a really interesting point and something that I haven't thought of before. So thank you. Yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. Welcome. I think a lot of people don't realize that, right? Like a lot of people don't realize yeah. that kids are not capable of having multiple thoughts the way adults are. Like that's a, <laughs> that's something that happens as we, we get older, but in young children, they are not capable of having multiple thoughts. When they're in something, they're truly in it. So it's much easier to harness. So a lot of people will say, oh, my kids are too young to meditate. Maybe I'll wait till they're older. And that's actually the worst thing you can do. If you have a young child, start start yeah. them now. Yeah. No, that's so smart. And I think that's probably the reason why, you know, one thing that I always get very frustrated with with my kids is that they're so impatient, but they're so mm. impatient because they're focused on what they want at that very moment, right? It's like, I want it now. I want that yes. yogurt right now, or I want that whatever it is right now. What do you mean? Wait, I don't know how to wait. I don't know how to be patient. So it's very interesting. Yeah. 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 Mindfulness started at a young age. I love it. Um, one other thing that I, well, not one other thing, but you do so much on your Instagram that I absolutely adore, but I love watching your recipes and the, the meals that you prepare for your kids, because not only do they meditate, but they eat <laughs> so well, which I think is just incredible because, you know, I'm having my middle guy eats extremely well. He'll eat anything I put in front of him. He'll try anything. He's not picky at all. He's wonderful. But the youngest one and the oldest one, they're it's so hard to feed them nutritious food. If you, you know, Halloween candy and potato chips. Oh, sure. Yeah. I'll eat that all day long. Obviously they're not eating that all day long, but they would if I let them, Yeah, you know, how do you, how do you get your kids to want to eat nutritious food? Is it involving them in the preparation process? Is it again, just modeling of behavior, you know, cause the, the recipes you make look amazing <laughs> and I know they're good for you. <laughs> yeah. You know, so this is one of those questions people always ask me. It's like, well, how do you get your kids to eat healthy? And it's the same as how do you get your kids to meditate? I don't get them to do it. It's just been a lifestyle from the beginning. So mm. for us in our home, you know, I was given some great suggestions for some great books uh, when I was pregnant about, you know, getting your kids to eat healthy and stuff. But the biggest thing is, you know, I don't know if you've ever heard of the movie. Um, it's a documentary called Babies, if you've ever mm -hmm. heard of yes. that. Yeah, I've seen I don't it. Know. You've seen it. Okay, so yeah. you know what it's all about, right? The premise is they follow these, like, babies who are being raised in three or four different cultures. And yeah. they show how differently they do things in every culture. And I was raised in a home um, where, you know, my parents are from India and they did a lot of things. My mom did a lot of things with us that to somebody here who's born and raised here or, you know, is like a whatever Canadian or quote unquote white person or whatever you want to call it. Like I grew up in a home where everything my mom did seemed normal to us. But when I went out into the real world, I realized that it wasn't normal. For instance, when you talk about food, I grew up eating Indian food 
all day, every day. That was mm-hmm. our diet. And for somebody else that might be like, oh my God, like Indian food's such a, we, we get Indian takeout once a month. That's such a luxury. But in my <laughs> life, that was like normal, right? Um, my mom also started potty training us when we were like six months old. That's completely normal in India. They think it's weird that we wear diapers until we're two or three. So these were the, this is what I grew up with. So for me, I knew that we make our kids whatever their normal is, we totally have the opportunity to shape that. So when my mom raised us, there was no such thing as baby food. You know, it was mashed up Indian food, like not in a pureed like blender, but like baby led weaning. Like she would just give us like, you know, non bread that was a little bit soft and a little bit chewed up already. And she would hand that to us to eat. And so I grew up with that, with the understanding that you can really make it whatever you want. Kids mm. will adapt to whatever it is that you uh, introduce them to. That's going to be their normal, right? So for for me, um, I had heard about um, like the French French parenting. I don't know if you've heard of any of the French parenting books, but you know they talk about this a lot. That the they French food. I think everybody knows French food is very like you know, very shishi and very extravagant. And they have like four meals, uh, or sorry, four courses with every meal. And that is literally how they raise their kids in France. <laughs> like their kids are eating like that from the time they start eating. And we think that's crazy, but that's their normal. So when I started reading those books and really thinking about how my parents did it, I was like, I really can do anything that I want with my kids. And so that's exactly what I did. I, I, you know, I read a few great books. I read French kids eat everything and yours can too. I read baby led weaning. Um, and so my kids first food was not, you know, purees or baby food. It was just whatever we were eating they were eating, except I was just making it so that it was a you know easy for them to grasp in their fingers and soft enough for them to chew on. But it was literally like all the same food we were eating because I've always you know I've eaten this way for a long time and I've cooked this way for a long time. So that's kind of you know, and I'm I'm sure people are like, oh, I wanted a better answer than that, but no, there's no there's no trick to it. It's just like. They just get exposed to what we introduce them to. So, you know, Halloween just passed and people were shocked when I told them this, but I'm like, my kids didn't go trick-or-treating. Like they were like, we, you know, we want to, we'll stay home with you. And I got them whatever the like organic treats that I like to buy them. And they were more than happy to sit at home and have those treats. And they cut themselves off after a while because they're not used to having that much sugar. But you know, it's no magic. Like I don't claim to be this, like I'm this amazing mom because my kids eat like this. It really is just because it's just the environment that they've been raised in. Having said that, I will also say that I don't believe that that's the only way to make your kids eat healthy. If up until this point, you're like, oh, maybe we kind of got off on the wrong foot or we started them on some wrong habits. I always say, we're the parents. We are in charge and we can change the rules at any time. They might not like it. It might be a struggle at first. It might feel hard or frustrating, but they will eventually accommodate 
to whatever it is that you want for them. And I think open communication is really important too. You know, like my kids talk about what other kids are bringing for their lunches and stuff all the time. But I've also had that conversation with my kids about anything that grows in the ground or on trees or on plants is very healthy for your body. And everything else is made by people and it's not always the healthiest food and it's not healthy for your body. So we have those open conversations. And I think sometimes we give, we don't give our kids enough credit. We think they're just young and we just want to make the rules or change the rules and never give any explanations. But I think if they're old and like, I've been having those conversations with them since they were like three or four years old about why we eat the way we eat and is this healthy or is this not and playing those kind of games. And, you know, and I, I actually heard this on a documentary, um, about food and this professor, this like world renowned professor at this university was saying, you know, we, we talk about it with our kids in the sense of like, well, you know, Superman or Spider-Man or insert whatever superhero they idolize, you know, he's so strong and he's got such a healthy body. Like, what do you think he chooses to eat? Do you think he chooses <laughs> to eat carrots or do you think he chooses to eat Oreo cookies? And the kids are like, oh no, he would choose to eat carrots. Yeah, exactly. So that's why we eat carrots and we don't eat too many Oreo cookies. So I think the communication piece is really important too, regardless of whether they've been raised that way. I think we have to take our power back as parents and and remind ourselves who's in charge and we can change the rules and have those conversations with our kids so that when they are getting older and they're not always in our watch all the time, they also know why they're making the choices they're making and they feel empowered. Yes. Empowering our children is so important too, mm-hmm. because you know, they are people too. And I think we get so wrapped up sometimes in the frustration and the the temper tantrums. I mean, I know that's been a struggle here with me is that, you know, they, they get so worked up when they're not able to have what it is that they want. And it's, it's me needing to calm down and talk to them, actually Mm. communicate with them instead of, you know, raising my voice and being like dominating and taking over. I need to bring myself down to, to their level and communicate with them because they are people and yeah, I think and they don't really, always know how to communicate. That's the yeah. problem. Yeah, no, of course not. They're t- minor two and four. I mean, the twelve-year-old knows how to communicate, sort of, but <laughs> <laughs> but no, the two and four-year-olds. I mean, they're two and four. They're they're toddlers, and you know they they're just learning how to communicate and use their voice to express themselves. So. Yeah, yeah, I think it's it's very it's a very important point to on all levels, but especially when it comes to food, to to just communicate and treat them like people. Yeah, that can make choices. Yeah, exactly. Like I never want to be the mom that's like, well, you can't have this and you can't have that and you can't have that, and then the second they you know hit their teenage years and they're out of my watch, they're like indulging and going crazy <laughs> on everything. That's not my style. That's why I think having that open, honest communication and letting them make their own choices sometimes, right? Like, okay, you know, you maybe you went to a function or you went somewhere and somebody offered you some treats. They'll look to me for approval, but oftentimes I will say, you can make what you think is the best choice for you. And sometimes mm-hmm. they'll choose the the treat that I wouldn't have maybe chosen, but then they'll have a few bites and realize that it doesn't sit so well in their belly and they'll ask for more broccoli. You know what I mean? Like I, I allow them to also kind of have their own freedom within certain limits. So it's a, it's a balancing act for sure. I don't think it's ever perfected, but I definitely think like the communication is really important. 
Absolutely. Well, and, and speaking about communication, there was something that you said a while back and it, it stuck with me and it was about business. Cause you're clearly an entrepreneur. You've got multiple businesses on the go. You've got a million things like your to-do list is probably as long as mine, if not longer. Um, but you'd mentioned something about involving your kids in that process. So it's not all about mommy just disappearing and being, not present in the moment with them, but it was, I I don't remember exactly what you said. So you could probably tell me what you said better, (laughs) but how, how do you sort of balance that the business businesses and your kids and involve them in that process so they can, you know, see that mommy is working and that she's an entrepreneur and that she's, you know, doing what she needs to do. Yeah, I think what you're referring to might be um, in the summertime uh, when the boys were off. I had had mentioned in my stories that it would be because I do run an online business, it would be easy for me to kind of shut down or say, hey, you know what, I'm going to take a little bit of a break or I'm going to work after the kids go to bed or early in the morning before they get up. But I purposely didn't do that because it was important for me that they see, because now they're in school, right? So they're at school all day. They don't necessarily always see me working. I wanted them to see what I do during the day. I wanted mm-hmm. them to see that I have a business. They know I have a podcast. Um, they, you know, they don't maybe fully understand the extent of what, what I all do and what that all means, but I want them to see me working on something that I love and that I'm passionate about so that when they grow up, they know what it means to work on something that you love and that you're passionate about. And, you know, I don't want them to wonder what I do all day or, you know, sometimes they'll go to school and they'll come home and be like, oh, what'd you do today? And I'm like, I worked, but they don't really understand what that means. So this summer for me, you know, it was their kind of first summer, uh, like off of school and they were kind of old enough to understand. And I was like, I am going to, for one to two hours a day, purposely work in front of them so that they see that I've got something else going on. And, you know, like you said, I'm running many businesses, but the beauty is that I get to work at home in my home office. So they're here, they're with me, they're in and out, you know, they're kind of doing their own thing, but they're seeing what I'm doing and they're seeing that I'm working and that way I can work and then I can shut down and be completely present with them when that, when that time comes that I need to be completely present with them. Whereas had I just spent the whole summer and all our days just together and they never saw me open the computer, they wouldn't really realize that I have anything else going on. And I think this is the big part of how we lose ourselves as mothers. We put our kids and our family and our everybody else before ourselves. Um, and whether that's a business or, you know, any kind of self-care, anything you need to do for yourself, oftentimes we put ourselves last on the list and we feel guilty working on anything that doesn't have something to do with our family. Well, guess what? Then you end up completely depleted and you've just given and given and given and your family has no clue that you have anything else that you're passionate about or that you love to do. I watched this a documentary the, just the other day. I think it was called The Shift with Wayne Dyer. Okay. And 
it had, um, so, you know, it's just like this kind of old school documentary, but there's a woman and she's like on a vacation with her family and she's got two very busy boys and they're, you know, on this kind of beach, beach vacation. And you can tell the story is like, she's the stay at home mom and he's the dad and they've, you know, escaped on this getaway with their kids. And she stops to admire the trees or something like that. And the story unfolds that she used to be an artist before she became a mom. And she makes a comment about how she would love to be able to paint these trees. And the boys look up at her and they start laughing and they're like, what are you talking about? You don't paint. (laughs) And you could just feel in that moment, her pain, like, because she was an artist before her kids were born. And they don't even know that about her. And it really hit me because this is what I experience as a coach with moms. This is one of the number one things I do is have them reconnect with who they used to be because they've lost themselves and their family and kids don't even know who they are. Like, you know, to imagine your child saying to you, who is like a passionate artist, well, you don't paint. Like you'd be like, but that is who I used to be before you came along. That was like what I was good at. That was my life. And your child doesn't even know that about you. So to me, it's like, not only with my business or my businesses, but just everything else, I want my kids to see me working on those things too. I never want my kids to think that they're the center of the universe. Um, I want them to see that I have other things going on. And when I'm with them, I am with them 100%, but I also have other things I need to do to kind of satisfy myself. And I think that especially if you're, I mean, I'm raising boys, but if I was raising a daughter, that's what I would want to raise her with. I want her to see me pursuing my dreams and being happy. I don't want, you know, any of my kids growing up watching me become completely depleted because I'm caring for them. Yeah, it's such a powerful point because I I totally agree. And I'm seeing that a lot in the books. I'm currently in the process of editing our, our next books in the You've Got This Mama series. And there's an element of that in every chapter and every story, you know, just sort of forgetting who you were and like embracing the new you and who you are. And, and yes, I agree. We need to sort of evolve and change with the changes in our life, but that doesn't mean you have to give up on your dreams and give up who Hmm. you were. And, you know, you can talk to that too. I know that, you know, you, like how how do, can you shift your mindset and still live the life of your dreams? I know that's a big question, but how yeah. can, how can you do that? <laughs> well, I think first of all, you have to want to. That's mm-hmm. the most important thing. You know, I can't tell you how many people reach out to me because they think they're ready for that shift and they want coaching. But in speaking with them, I can tell within the first five minutes, they're really not there yet. They they're looking for someone else to give them answers. But you have to be in a place where you finally real, like, you know, there's a difference between the woman who says, man, I need to start pursuing my dreams and putting myself first. How do I do that? Versus the woman that is still feeling like that's what she needs to be putting everybody first. You know, do you see the distinction there? It's like, Mm -hmm. if you're not in that place yet where you're recognizing that taking care of everybody first is not the way to do it, then you're not going to be able to have a mindset shift. So first you have to be completely 100% willing to make that change. And then 
you start to shift. And when I say mindset shift, what I'm really meaning is you're taking yourself from a place of low vibes, low energy, victim mentality into a place where you're really rising up and you're raising your vibration and you're getting to a place where your energy is high. And I don't mean physical energy. I mean like your vibe, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that you can call more good things into your life. So kind of the, the five basic things that I walk people through when they say they're ready to shift their mindset. My goal is to get them to raise their vibe by starting to give more gratitude. So Mm -hmm. just every day, you know, when you find yourself complaining about something or when you find yourself in a situation that feels hard right now, stop and force yourself to be grateful for something. It will instantly shift your energy And it will instantly remind you that this too shall pass and you will instantly be lifted to like a notch or two above where you just were. So it's the number one thing people can do when they are really ready to start to come out of that like mom fog or, you know, feeling like you've lost yourself. It's like, if you want to do all those things and live your dream life, you have to start to shift your mindset. So that's the first thing you can do. Start a gratitude journal or give gratitude, but do it every day. And it's not just about saying thank you or giving gratitude, but it's about the feeling that you put behind it. So that Mm -hmm. feeling that you get when you're really happy that something has happened, you know, like, like you can't put it into words, but you're like, man, I'm so grateful for that. That feeling is what you need to sit in and harness. The second thing is quiet, getting quiet. And so we touched on this earlier with kids, but you know, I always say to people, and this is why my teaching your kids how to meditate workshop is actually attached to you have to do the 30 day mindset mindset shift workbook first, download that workbook, because how can you teach your kids to meditate um, or get quiet if they never watch you do it? (laughs) You know, like, we have to practice what we preach. We have to lead by example. You know, it's the same with nutrition. You can't be eating a bag of potato chips and then telling your kids that they got to eat healthy, right? Like we have to set the example. So doing the gratitude every day is important, but just finding time to be still, to be quiet. You don't have to meditate, quote unquote, you can just be mindful with something. You know, when was the last time you made yourself a cup of coffee and for five minutes, you really just sat there and enjoyed your coffee and enjoyed how wonderful it smells and how the warm mug feels between your hands and enjoy it, you know, the, the amount of sugar and cream you're putting in it. And that's called being really mindful and really present. Like, Nobody does that anymore. Everybody's like making their coffee, checking their Facebook, checking their email, picking up the phone. You're watching the news, you know, and it's like that old saying, like, take some time to stop and smell the flowers. It's the same thing. Like, you don't have to sit and meditate every day, but you do have to just get quiet and get mindful, even if it's just for a couple of minutes. That's the second way that you can start to make that mindset shift because shifts happen when you allow your mind to get quiet. Mm -hmm. You cannot grow. You cannot have ideas and downloads from the universe when your brain is busy. You have to allow yourself some quiet time. So that's the second thing. The third thing, 
and this is one that I focus on a lot with my coaching clients, is just the self-love and the self-connection, reconnecting with who you used to be, really honing in on understanding who was I before I became a mother? What did I love to do? What did people love about me? What do people come to me for advice on? What are my gifts? What are my strengths? If I asked your husband why he fell in love with you, what what he thought your unique gifts and strengths were, what would he say? Um, And really getting to a place where you stop beating yourself up for all the things you're not and remind yourself of all the beautiful gifts you bring to the planet because we all bring some amazing gifts but many of us have just completely left them behind because we thought we had to. Mm-hmm. And so I really encourage moms, you know, that's a third thing you can do is just really get connected into yourself, start to practice that self-love. Affirmations are huge. People think affirmations are this like woo-woo thing, but they actually work, you know? They're like even if you don't believe it, you know, tell even if you're having struggling with self-esteem, let's say, or you're struggling with your weight or, or whatever it is right now, saying, I am beautiful. I accept and love my body. Um, that you might not believe that at first, but science and research has shown over and over and over that affirmations work. They Mm -hmm. completely rewire the way you think they rewire your brain. You know, it's a form of neuro linguistic programming. Um, it's like planting seeds, you know, a garden, you're not going to plant seeds and then tomorrow you have tomatoes. Like it doesn't work like that. You have to nurture it. You have to keep watering it. You have to keep going back. And it's the same with affirmations. You, you got to do them every day. So find a couple of things that you're working on right now, or you're working on feeling better about, turn it into an affirmation and plaster it everywhere. Put it on sticky notes, put it in your car, put it on your dashboard, put it on your computer, make it your screensaver and repeat those affirmations to yourself over and over and start to really live in the gifts that you bring to the world and focus on the positive and reconnect with that self that you've lost. So that's the third thing. The fourth thing is, uh, dreaming big. So, you know, a lot of people stop here because they're like, they can't imagine their life any other way, or they don't dare to dream big. You know, they don't ever dare to say, what would it be like if, you know, what could I do? What could be possible if this, it's like, what do you want for your life? You know, a a lot of times I find moms get stuck in this place of like, and we know this as women who've kind of come through the early mom fog days, right? Like, I mean, my boys are almost seven, so I definitely see this, but you know, when you're in it, in those early newborn days, you feel like it's going to be like this forever. <laughs> yep. Like, man, I remember those nights with twins, right? I was like, oh mm-hmm. my God, I was just running on, I don't even know what. And it was mom fog. And there were literally times when I had to remind myself, this is not going to be like this forever it will eventually change. And then, you know, in those times, though, you have no concept of time or what the future is going to bring. And you just kind of stop dreaming. Like it's like your whole life gets put on pause. And then you never pick up where you left off. It's like it's you just completely like left one movie and started another. And so I really encourage women to make a vision board, talk to your partner about what you're 
you know, dream big. Like what, like if you won the lottery tomorrow, what would you do? And then forget about the lottery and go, okay, how can I make that happen? Is that really possible for us? What are, you know, do you, this is where I really say to women, like you can do anything you want to, you know, you want to make a million dollars. You can make a million dollars. You just don't worry about the how, but just really dream big and, what are your dreams? What are your hopes and goals? What did you want to do before you had kids? All of that. Bring it back. Bring it back to the surface. Put it out there because the universe gives you what you put out there. If you never say it out loud, you're you're never going to get it. And you know, I I, I ran this powerful um, mother circle once where I had them do this exercise, and I asked them to names, you know, like when you were 13, 14, 15 years old, what did you used to dream about? What did you love doing? How did you imagine your life was going to be? And this one girl said, you know, I've never had any kind of dreams for myself. I never had any visions for myself. I've never thought like that. I never, for whatever reason, she just was never taught to dream and then she started crying and she said, I guess that would explain why I am where I am right now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was so powerful because mm-hmm. it's so true. It's like, if you can dream it, it can happen. But if you are not dreaming big because you think that you're too busy doing the stuff that you're doing right now, it's not going to happen. So dream big, your whole vibe changes. You know, it's like that whole, the secret, the law of attraction, when you put it out there and you ask for it, it will come to you. But first you have to put it out there and ask for it. And then the fifth thing to change, shifting your mindset and really raising your vibe and having the life of your dreams is to start to, I call it trim the fat, just start to, to say no to the things that don't serve you in your life. You know, if there's people that bring you down, if there's people in your social media feed that make you feel gross, if there are things that you're watching on TV that weigh heavy on your heart, if there are people you're hanging out with just because they're family, but they actually make you feel really horrible about yourself, start to take a step back from the things that don't feel good and say no to say no to what doesn't serve you. And allow yourself to cultivate your days and your life by surrounding yourself with things that bring you joy and do less of what doesn't bring you joy. So those are my five kind of tips to shift your mindset and kind of live, move towards that life of your dreams. Mm, I love all of it. It's like, that's so, so much content for for one show. It's like, I, I feel like I had a whole session with you right now. It's great. But it's so true. And it's such a reminder that we, we really do need to give ourselves permission to, to just remind ourselves that we are worthy. And we, yes, we're mothers and we're amazing mothers and we are raising the next generation of people, but we are still people too. And we Mm -hmm. deserve to have everything we want. And what a great example and role model we are for our children when we do that, right? When we do dream big and when we do the things that make us happy and set us on fire, you know? Exactly. It's, It's everything. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, thank you so, so much for all of that. I I feel like our show notes are literally going to be like an entire session with you. (laughs) uh, But we will give away all of your goods and we will send people over to your courses and your website and obviously your podcast because it's just so good. Um, 
you know, I was listening to an Oprah podcast the other day and I was like, oh, this reminds me of Sunit. <laughs> I'm so excited. She's going to be on this show. <laughs> like, it's just it's so powerful and so important. And I, I just love that, you know, this is a really upbeat, high vibe episode. And I think that's great. We have talked about some heavy stuff on the show. We've talked about fertility issues. We've talked about loss. We've talked about the NICU and premature babies. So, you know, it's just nice to have such beautiful, wonderful energy here. So thank you. Oh, thank you. And it's funny because as you mentioned all those things, I'm like, yeah, been there, been there, done that. <laughs> yeah. Like I've been through all those heavy things. So I resonate, you know, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad that I was able to to bring a positive energy for you today, lift it up a little bit. Yeah, which is so amazing. So at the end of the show, we usually ask a series of questions just to bring the energy back up, which we don't need to do in this case, but <laughs> I'll still ask them anyway, just because they're fun. And what tends to happen is we get some really cool resources from these questions. You have yeah. given us a ton of resources anyway. We'll have a whole list of books and uh, podcasts and personal development materials and you know your um, freebies and all the stuff. So we'll have so much to give our, our listeners today, but maybe we'll find some more. <laughs> so I always ask the first question I ask is what is your morning routine? Because this varies so much for every mother I speak to. It's so crazy, but I have a feeling that yours is, is one that we want to strive for. <laughs> Okay. So my morning routine is pretty much set in stone. This is how I operate every day. When I, the first thing I do when I wake up in the morning is I do a quick meditation. Um, I try to get up about 10 to 15 minutes before my kiddos do. So I do a quick meditation. I give gratitude. And then by that point, my boys have figured out that it's 7am and they're allowed to come out of their room. So they come, they come into my bed and they snuggle with me and my husband's usually up and, you know, getting ready for work by that point. So they come in and they snuggle and, you know, we snuggle and we give kisses and whatever. And then they get up and they go into the room to get ready. I always tell people this, I scrape my tongue and then I brush my teeth. (laughs) (laughs) So if you ever want to know tongue scraping, look it up. It's amazing for you. Um, Yeah. So I do some tongue scraping. I brush teeth. I make their breakfast and their lunches and then take them to school. And then between the time that they're, you know, dropped off at school and noon, I pretty much am in creation mode. So working in my business, creating content, anything that needs to be put together for my business. I then usually take an hour out to work out or go to yoga. I come home, I have a smoothie, I shower, and then I work in my biz. And then by 12 o'clock, I'm eating my first meal of the day. I always talk about this in my stories, but I do intermittent fasting. So I have my breakfast at 12, but that's pretty much between the time I wake up and noon. That's my, that's my morning routine. Amazing. I love the stuff of that morning routine. And I, I would love to learn more about intermittent fasting too. I've been reading a little bit about this. So I will, um, if you have any resources to add like a, a website or a guide or something that you follow specifically, that'd be really helpful as well. 
Yeah, there's actually a great YouTube video on it, but um, and you mentioned this earlier, but this is the whole reason I started another blog, my 40 and such, was because people would be like, oh, how do you do that? And why do you do that? I was like, I need to start a blog about this. So <laughs> intermittent fasting is actually one of the topics I'm going to be doing a live on in the next few weeks. <laughs> Yay. Well, I'll definitely tune into that one because I find it so interesting. And I end up not eating my first meal till noon anyway, so I might as well <laughs> learn how to do it properly. <laughs> exactly. So the next question I'd like to ask is if money, scheduling and time were not an issue, what is a bucket list item that you would check off? So this is like what we were talking about earlier. If you won the lottery and could do anything, what, what would that be your top thing? It doesn't, it can be selfish. It can be with your kids, anything. Yeah. My top thing really is I just want the freedom to be able to travel with my kids anytime, anywhere. Like that is my dream. Like, you know, we have a couple of places that we love to go vacation. And my dream is to be able to, instead of just going for a week, be able to spend a month there mm-hmm. without having to worry about coming back for school or coming back for my husband to work because I'm location independent, so I can work from anywhere. But m- my goal would be to be able to just retire my husband and have the kind of life where we can literally just go anywhere together as a family and just chill. Like I want like a permanent vacation. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Uh, It's so true. I mean, it's not crazy or anything like that. I know a lot of people have these crazy bucket list items, but really that's all I want in life is just to be able to hang with, I call them my team, the four of us, my little team and just be able to kind of, you know, hang out wherever, whenever without any time pressures. Absolutely. I think we're on the same page there for sure. Um, okay. So one parenting hack that you cannot live without, this can be a product, a rule, an idea, an item. I feel like you're going to have so many, (laughs) but, but really just one thing that sort of transformed your motherhood that you, you really feel you could not live without. (laughs) Yeah. So this is going to be in the form of a rule. Um, and to just basically that is to stay in my lane. Like I, it's one of the best pieces of advice I was given before I became a mom. And now I say this to women all the time. I do not look at what anybody else is doing. I don't compare myself. I don't look at others with envy, nor do I look at others with judgment. I look at what I want to do in my life for myself, with my kids, with my husband and the people that matter to me the most. And I make decisions based on what works for us. I never look at anybody else and go, oh, what's she doing over there? Should I be doing that with my kids? Am I behind? And nor do I look at anybody and go, why the heck is she doing that? That's so bizarre. You know, like Mm -hmm. I just try to stay in my own lane and I parent and live life from a place of what's best for me. Because when you start to compare and look elsewhere, it just messes everything up. So it is like my one rule that I live by. And I think it has really helped me in every area, but especially parenting. Like I do what works for me. And I know I'm judged. People will make comments about how we operate sometimes. 
And I just remind them, you know what? I know that seems weird to you, but this is what's best for us and our family. And I make decisions according to what's best for me. And that makes me feel good about what I'm doing. And so that would be like my biggest parenting hack is I just stay in my own lane. Mm -hmm. I love that. I could not agree with that more. I actually just wrote about this whole comparison being the thief of joy. And yes, it's just, it's so true. You know, we can't compare, you can't compare anything. You know, there's so many people, authors, in our books that have said, oh, well, I can't share my story because so-and-so has a, a tougher story. It's like, sorry, yeah. now you're comparing your grief and you're comparing your loss and you're comparing your joy and you're comparing like these things, pain and joy and grief, we feel them the way we feel them. You can't compare those emotions. And it's the same with everything. And when you start comparing, it really does suck the joy out of everything. Yeah. And then you're not doing it for you. You know, it's like when somebody's looking at somebody else's motherhood and they're going, Oh, you know, what are your kids doing? Well, my kids do this, but it's like, but but are your kids aren't, aren't their kids. Your family is different. The way you're raising them is different. The values and goals you have for yourself are different. So how can you possibly compare what you're doing? So, you know, it's just, I, I just think you just for your mental health and, like women supporting women, you know, I just, I always say to all my girlfriends, you do you, I'm doing me. And as long as we can respect each other, that's all I care about. And so I, that's like my biggest parenting hack and it has served me well. I I really just don't look at what anyone else is doing. I have nothing but love and admiration for every mother out there. And however you choose to show up is amazing. And if you can do better, great. And if I can help you with that, awesome. But I'm never going to judge you and I'm never going to compare myself to you. And if anything, if somebody is doing something that I I want to be doing, I don't look at them with envy. I'll, I'll be like, how are you doing that? Yeah. <laughs> like, tell me the goods. Like, how are you getting your kids to do that? Or what? And that's actually what I did a lot of the time when I was pregnant, like I would see people with really well-behaved kids or whatever, you know, the eating thing, like, oh, well, how did you get your kids to do that? Mm -hmm. Okay. You know, you should read these books. Okay. I'll read those books. So look at people that have what you want and, and ask them for their support and their advice, but never compare yourself, never be judgmental, never be envious. Um, just kind of do your thing. Oh, such, such good advice. I totally agree. Okay. One crutch that you can't live without. So coffee, wine, potato chips, (laughs) doubt it's potato chips. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, when you initially, um, kind of like I was thinking, okay, it would have been wine had you asked me this like two months ago, but I'm taking a break from drinking right now. So I would say my biggest crutch is just like the me, the me time. Mm. You know, I don't, I don't have a problem being selfish. I don't have a problem with self-care because I know that living my life in a way where I get ample time to do the things that bring me joy that is what makes me show up in the way I show up as a mother, as a friend, as a wife, as a business owner. And so without that, I'm nothing. So my biggest crutch is I need time to myself, big or small. That could be like, you know, a four day girls weekend somewhere, or it could literally just be like, I, I need to hop in the bath or I need to go to yoga for an hour, like whatever it is, I need time to myself in some capacity to be able to be selfish. And that is a regular thing. And I, I feel 
no guilt over it. Um, but I could not be half of, you know, what I am and who I am if, if I didn't have that. Yeah, that's a perfect transition into the last question, which is a self-care ritual or practice that you would highly recommend other mamas try. This can be anything, you know, me time absolutely counts, but is there something specific like a bath or, you know, a walk in nature or yoga or an exercise routine or something that, you know, I know meditation is a big one for you. Is there some guided meditations that you would recommend any of that stuff? Oh man. So uh, the simple answer to this would probably be meditation. Mm -hmm. Like I, you know, getting that five minutes in every day or longer if I have it is absolutely like that would be the textbook kind of answer. But, you know, I did a podcast episode a while back called My Life as Self-Care. And now I really encourage women not to look at self-care as a thing you do, Mm -hmm. but a way of living. So the things I talked about earlier, saying no to what doesn't serve you. Stop saying yes and doing to, to doing things you hate doing. You know, stop running all over the city for extracurricular activities if it's making you crazy. Sit down with your family and figure out a way to make your life more enjoyable. Um, I'm really passionate about inspiring women not to go to the spa once a week or have bubble baths. Like, yes, do that stuff. But really start to try to live a life of joy where you're not living for the weekends. You know, like I get there's some things we have to do. You have to go to work. You have to do some things that you don't want to do. But there are a lot of things that we as women say yes to that we should be saying no to. (laughs) So I would say a big way of practicing self-care, if you're listening to this show right now, stop and ask yourself, when was the last time I said yes to something I should have said no to? Mm. And learn from that. And, and practice doing more things that bring you joy. That to me is self-care. Asking for help is self-care, right? There's a lot of ways you can, you can ease the burden on your life by just doing things a little bit differently. And it doesn't always be, have to be like the textbook kind of, well, meditate or have a bath or paint your nails. Sometimes it's just making your days more joyful through the little acts that you do or don't do. Absolutely. I love that. Well, that's it, Sunit. Thank you so much for being here today. I really like I feel high vibe right now. I don't think I'll be able to go to bed and it's almost midnight (laughs) here where I am. So it's crazy. But thank you so much for being on and taking the time and providing so many amazing resources for our listeners today. So I really appreciate you coming on and You are just such an amazing woman and an amazing mama. And I'm so grateful that our paths crossed and that we get to do this together. Thank you. Oh, thank you. And and, I mean, you, the work you're doing, I'm just like so proud to be associated with you and with this community. So thank you for having me on and keep getting her. You're doing such an amazing job. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. Okay. Well, everyone that's listening, you know, the drill, go over, subscribe, give us a rating, a review. We appreciate every single one. And thank you, Sunit, for being on today. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Sabrina Greer, your host, and you've been listening to You've Got This Mama, the podcast. You can follow us at YGT Mama and join our conversation on Instagram and Facebook. 
To get more information on the stories we share here, our books, the blog, our community, head on over to www.ygtmama.com. You can also access the show notes. If you haven't already, please head over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your daily listen and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us so much and we value every single review. We also have a special gift for our subscribers. I would like to thank our production team and Megan Krimpotich, our producer, for making this happen. Thank you so much to all of you for giving us your ear and tune in next week. In the meantime, please, please remember, Mama, you've got this.